0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast and joining me to look at the Texans draft is Aaron Reese, who covers the Texans for the Athletic. And let's start off, Aaron. You want to get me your height, your weight? I need a forty time.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I feel comfortable to share any of those other than my height. No. Um, yeah, I, it's, I'm. Uh, I'm glad to be uh, out of the uh, the long months of of worrying about measurables. (laughs) Well, let's start off with just a quick recap of the draft.
0: And they drafted, the Texans did two tackles, two cornerbacks, a tight end, a defensive tackle, and a fullback. They hit on the emergency needs with corner and tackle for sure. They didn't address the depth at safety or running back, uh, although they have signed 20 undrafted free agents, which uh, addressed some of those needs. What was unusual, what I thought, Aaron, three other draft picks were college walk-ons, and only three of the seven picks played in major conferences. From a big-picture perspective, what did you think of their draft?
1: Yeah, that is funny. I, I You know, I think the main thing people want to think about is the kind of not addressing all those positions you mentioned, right? Some of those offensive skill positions we thought maybe they'd add to safety. But, but that is something I think that is really interesting when you just think about, you know, we're still learning about Brian Gain, right? And I think uh, we learned a couple of things from this draft. One is that, like you said, he's not scared to uh, take guys who, you know, don't maybe have the, the natural pedigree or don't come from the obvious background. Uh, Titus Howard, of course, is the greatest example of this. But um, Max Sharping, the the next offensive line he took out of Northern Illinois, Fitzsville, too. And then, I mean, he took a fullback in the seventh round who was a walk on A&M. Like the I didn't realize Twelfth Man at A&M ever actually played, but I guess this guy actually played. Yeah, so I mean that is that is something worth noting. I think just moving forward as Brian, as Brian Gankins is in this job is that he's not necessarily a guy who's drawn by the the appeal of the uh, the big name school or feels like those guys necessarily are producing pros at such a higher rate or that they're going to be ready made. Um, he feels confident Titus Howard can can cut it immediately, uh, even though he's making a big jump from Alabama State. Beyond that, I think the other big takeaway is that. Um, Texans seem like in position where if they really wanted to get Andre Dillard, who everyone seemed to think that would make perfect sense for them, they could have gotten him and, and maybe not have given up a ton, but you know, they opt not to trade Eagles trade in front of them. They get Andre Dillard. Texans get Titus Howard. And now it's two drafts without Brian gain, making a single trade. Fans
0: aren't happy because some of these guys, some of you know, many of these guys looks like we're kind of a roll of the dice, long-term projects. The thought is, hey, the time to win is now. You got Deshaun under a cheap deal. J.J. Watt, you know, we're closing in on uh, the prime of his career, obviously with the back and the knees, not the same as he was a few years ago. But how much more time do you got him? Uh, How did you look at this, like the the idea of long-term versus, you know, projects, quote-unquote, versus guys that are ready to play right now?
1: I mean, I think it's worth pointing out kind of, again, with the no trades, right? Like, I think to me that kind of indicates something, too. I mean, do the Texans feel that way? You know, I mean, because that's ultimately what matters, right? I mean, I think you're clearly seeing kind of with the moves they made, both in the first round, not getting Andre Dillard, who a lot of people viewed as kind of like a plug-and-play guy, and then not moving up to get some of these other corners when they started to be a run on them in the second round, right? You know, they feel comfortable getting guys that maybe can help, in some capacity but not be you know just clear starters from day one titus howard he might you know be a rotational tackles first year and lonnie johnson the corner they took out of kentucky i mean he's he's a pretty good press man guy has some of the size they don't have right now but he's not necessarily a guy you can rely on to um to play you know every snap next season i totally get the notion of you got to capitalize on a um a very uh small window when deshaun is on a rookie deal and obviously that's kind of a a thing everyone the NFL now of, of utilizing this period with your quarterback, but the truth is also, I mean, it, it's worth pointing out just so it doesn't seem like everyone's can just bag on the Texans. I mean, the this draft class is not necessarily one where there were such obvious players um, who were going to be the difference or get you to a Super Bowl if you just moved up to get them. You know, I mean, uh, Andre Dillard is a very highly regarded player, but. I mean, he played from a played in a system at Washington State where he basically never run blocked. And in general, I mean, you didn't see a single tackle go in the top ten. You know, Jonah Williams is the first one of the Bengals, and uh, and then corner you only saw one corner in the in the first round. So I mean, I think that that doesn't mean there's not good corners, good offense tackles in this draft. But the, basically, there's not, the the first tier of these things is not necessarily so elite that it was uh, the whole bunch of people that were worth moving up for a whole bunch of people that you could make a bunch of win now moves for.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the worst, one of the worst takes I see with a lot of people is, uh, you know, oh, the tackle is a project. And Aaron, you, you and I have watched a lot of football over the years. How many times do you see an offensive tackle, offensive tackle, that position come in the NFL and is just ready to go? He's, he's going immedi- to immediately dominate.
1: <laughs> right. They're all projects, because none of them have been like 6'5 and 300 pounds for more than two years they're all figuring out how to even use their body, you know? And like you said, I mean, they're all, and they're all adjusting to a, a huge jump in uh, the speed of the game. Um, that being said, Howard is going to probably have a bigger jump than most. And that's kind of the, that's the thing that I think is uh, interesting here is he very well could, I don't think you can properly judge or properly criticize, you know, the Texans' decision not to trade up and get Dillard uh, for a few years. You know, you have to see what both these guys look like. Um, and, Dillard, and Howard very well could end up being a better player. But I think it's very reasonable to assume that he might struggle more than most of the other offensive linemen taken in the first round. Bill O'Brien likes to talk about how the, the jump and speed and strength is, is greater for offensive linemen than maybe any other position on the field. And that's going to be especially true for a guy coming from Alabama State, you know. Um, and so but the problem is the Texans the Texans need him next season. Uh, I mean, he's going to be in competition for left tackle, with Matt Khalil, and Julian Davenport. But, I mean, if he doesn't sniff out any playing time among those two guys, then I think you have a problem, right? But but, but even if he's not starting, you imagine he probably is going to get some reps either at left tackle or right tackle where Chantrell Henderson is slotted to be the starter. But um, I don't think you can trust he's going to be healthy for more than a game, uh, just kind of the, with the recent injury history for him. So he's going to get a chance to play, and he's going to have to make that jump. And, and kind of how quickly he makes that jump, I think. Will go a long way towards determining how significant of a jump the offensive line as a whole takes next season.
0: Yeah, and and as far as you know, being able to learn quickly, one thing that the Texans, I'm sure, would immediately point out is, look, this guy—he was a quarterback. He's a pretty bright guy. They they like how you know intelligent he is. He was able to adapt as a as a tight end his uh, freshman year in college. Then he learns how to play tackle. He learns how to play multiple positions. He's played, you know, both left and right tackle. So this is a guy that has been able to learn throughout his entire life uh very quickly. And and then one thing that you can do with him, which I was thinking about, Aaron, is, you know, when you look at the fact that he did play tight end as a freshman at Alabama State, you can put him in as like a third tackle in goal situations where the Texans blocking has struggled and then yeah. you make him a tackle eligible.
1: Yeah. That's true. Definitely true. Although now the, the Texans have a uh, quite a quite a, a bevy of tight ends available to them after they use a third round pick on one. But uh but no, I, I I do I do agree with your point. I mean he uh I think there are some options there for him. And it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, how just how this guy was one of the quicker um offensive linemen at the combine. Uh, you know, I mean he he maintained some of that speed he had from when he was a skinnier guy. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they can utilize that, that athleticism in some unique ways. I mean, obviously, he's traditionally just going to be a left tackle, but, you know, we'll, if they maybe he'll throw a pass at the point. That'll be fun.
0: You mentioned uh, the second rounder, cornerback Lottie Johnson out of Kentucky. And according to Pro Football Focus, I saw he allowed 18 receptions, just 18 receptions on 343 coverage snaps last season. So that's pretty good. The SEC, it's, it's a good conference. And the other thing about Lottie Johnson is, and I'm sure you noticed this. This guy's a great story. And that's another thing. When you look at all of the guys that the Texans drafted Aaron this year, it's like every one of these guys, there's this really interesting backstory. And also I think to that, when I, when I think of what maybe Brian gain looks for is these guys that have used to be, they're used to being underrated their entire life. So that they've got something, maybe a little bit of an edge that a lot of guys that coming in might not have.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. I mean, you, you look at, uh, Lonnie Johnson, as you mentioned, uh, Max Sharping, the uh, offensive lineman that took him the second round from Northern Illinois, uh, was, you know, considering going to Ivy Leagues. Maybe not a a story of adversity so much as just kind of like a a little unique to uh, to be that sort of brainy guy and and, end up in the NFL. And he uh, also has his master's degree already. Uh, So that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then beyond him, I mean, yeah, like you know, tight end Kale C- Cah- Waring that they picked in third round. I mean, he he put a bunch of different sports to start playing football till senior of high school. Um, of course, you got uh, Gillespie, the fullback they took in the seventh round, who's a walk on at A and uh, from outside Houston. Katie Taylor. Uh, so I mean, and and then there uh, the cornerback they took in the sixth round, Xavier Crawford. He uh, uh, he was a guy who transferred from Oregon State and then kind of had to cut it at, at Central Michigan, where he wasn't even the the top the top DB in his on his team uh, could, could consider the way that secondary was loaded. So no, it's, it's very, uh, it is interesting. And again, I think that's kind of one of the fun things about uh, just thinking about these drafts very early in Brian Gaines, 10 years, you really kind of get to learn something about what he values in terms of personnel and, and, and the sort of prospects.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned Mac Sharping, Northern Illinois allowed just one sack and, his three seasons as a starter was what's also interesting as you mentioned is he got a master's degree not just a master's degree 3.99 GPA again intelligence is a big part of what Brian Gaines is looking for um you know Titus Howard we talked about him uh so that's a big deal and you look at Warring, uh, that's something else that you see with Brian Gaines you saw it with Jordan Thomas last year you know he, he looks for these guys that uh, maybe have a, a great deal of athleticism, um, very raw. Uh, he was a walk-on with the Aztecs, barely uh, played any high school football, if at all. And I'm, I'm really excited also about finally having a tight end, Aaron, with legitimate blocking ability. We, we haven't seen that much with the Texans in recent years.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I mean I think the hope is mainly that that uh, um you know Jordan Thomas and Jordan Aikens will take a step up in that category uh, in their second year. You know, they've they talked a lot about how that it's similar to offensive linemen, it's just kind of that can be a struggle for rookies sometimes. So hopefully they, they can take a step up in their second year. That's what the Titans want. And and additionally, you know, they also brought in a uh, um they also brought in a, a veteran free agent, Darren Fells on a one year deal who uh, really, all he's all he's brought in for is, is his blocking ability, kind of shore of that for the team, and maybe we'll see if he sticks around the regular season. Though, I mean, now they have they have quite a few tight ends, and there's just no way they're going to be able to keep all.
0: My big concern, maybe, with wearing just looking at his history, already had a major foot injury in college. We've heard that before with the Texans, and a, and uh, their their quarterback, the first rounder, Kevin Johnson, and also he finished the year with a hamstring injury which uh we just spent a year of that with kiki cutie i don't know if that's something that uh yeah, was he looked into. he started like five games in college which is crazy how many games did he go five and it was like it was like two last season wow yeah that it, 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 it wasn't much so it's sort of like a little bit of a roll of the dice with a lot of the guys that that he's picked uh let me ask you about the fullback uh cullen gillespie is i think is how it's pronounced not not with the A, It's at least that's the way I looked it up as. And he he's a special teams guy, I think, with, with, with what they're looking for. You know, he was a walk-on, uh, as we mentioned, respected 12th man for the Aggies. But they could use him at fullback because they didn't really have anybody last year once they released Jay Prosh. Anything else about him that, that jumps out at you? Or is that what you see him doing is basically mostly as a, as a special teams pick?
1: I think it's mostly special teams. I mean, I think if he makes the team, it's for special teams. It's not because Bill O'Brien thinks he can unlock some huge thing with his offense um, by having a fullback. I think, they, I think great, it would be useful if they had him. But it's really going to come down to, to special teams. And, and I think a lot of people were surprised by that pick. Uh, I mean, I was surprised, too. It wasn't even – it's funny. You know, we have uh, – at The Athletic, we have Dane Brugler, one of the, I think, most respected draft analysts out there for this stuff and, and so we all have access to his uh his like sort of draft guide all his scouting reports everyone and Gillespie was not even he was like the uh the ninth ranked fullback on Dane's list so he didn't even have like a blurb in the packet, just his name. And uh and but uh but Dane told me that the something that really helped him get drafted was he had a pretty strong uh, he had a strong pro day. He, you know, he he ran a four five forty six point nine five second three cone, and he stands about six, a little over six foot one. So I mean, he's uh he's pretty good size for a fullback who was a who was a walk on.
0: We got Longhorns and Aggies in this draft, which is kind of interesting. You got uh, the Texas Longhorn defensive tackle Charles Omenahu, and that's interesting because defensive tackle. I mean, it's something maybe we weren't expecting the Texans. To target in this draft did you get a sense from brian gain as to why he liked a yeah
1: i mean i think they think he's someone who can play inside and outside and you know i think adding a defensive line to your rotation makes sense one you know who knows what's gonna happen to david and cloney in the long term uh, i think short-term he'll, he'll be back one way or another but uh, you know eventually that's something to consider and and Uh, A man who has some pass rushing prowess and and they really do need, even though they have a really good front seven, their pass rush basically exclusively came from, from Clowney and uh, Clowney and Watt, you know, and so I think they they, were, they would hope to find it other places and hopefully find someone who can bring something from the interior. who probably is not a guy who can play inside all the time right now, at least not at his current weight. He's about 280, but he has just the the physical ability to add on some more weight. It seems like and maybe be a versatile guy who can play all over. I mean, he's one of the biggest uh, defensive linemen in this draft. He's uh, six foot six and he has like crazy long arms. I think uh, I want to say like 36 inch arms. Which is ranks in the yeah 90th percentile for defensive lineman in this draft.
0: Yeah, good story behind him too, which I'm sure you'll, you'll be writing about at some point. But also you've got uh, Lonnie Johnson, the the Kentucky cornerback, and he seemed to be the consensus for fans and draft gurus and all that. He, he was the guy that everybody was like, yeah, the Texans got this this one right. You know, I I think he was somebody that uh, everybody agreed on. Like that that's a good cornerback. That that's a guy that can come in and help the Texans almost immediately
1: yeah i think you know i mean who knows if he'll be he'll be a a top who knows if he'll be the top corner for them i mean i think that that might be a little hopeful but i think he can provide something for them right away i think he can be kind of like an outside press man guy and and that's really not something they had and they didn't have they didn't really have someone with a bunch of length they kind of added some speed and brandon roby during the um you know during free agency but they didn't have a a bigger guy i mean roby's still like five foot eleven
0: the undrafted free agents, and, and the thing that I was looking for immediately was running backs because, you know, they got Deontay Foreman. Uh, obviously, they've got Miller, but th- they lost Alfred Blue, and there's not that third running back that looks like you're ready to, to plug in there. And, and they really didn't use much of anybody else except for Alfred Blue and and Miller and then a little bit of Deontay Foreman last year. But Michigan's Karen Higdon, 5'9", 206 pounds, He's an interesting guy. I saw somewhere where he, he was he, he was even projected to be in the sixth round. Not not an undrafted guy. And then Missouri's Demaria Crockett, who's five ten, two twenty five. But Aaron, you and I both Mizzou guys. We've seen a lot of that. I, I'm not necessarily too excited about him doing anything. But Higdon might be somebody that they can look to.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, um, for for people that don't know, uh, you know, Crockett was was good his freshman year at Mizzou, and then that was kind of it. Uh, for a variety of reasons, you know, dealt with different injuries, and um, had one of the best backs in the SEC, Larry Roundtree, come in after him and, and kind of just overtake him, uh, which is part of why he left early. You know, he said he had no problem splitting. He said he had no problem splitting carries, but I think he kind of just opportunity was what it was. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I was, I was a little surprised they didn't go with a running back. On one hand, you get it, right? You don't. Philip Lindsay was undrafted. I mean, these guys, and generally it's not worth spending good value on a running back, but. There were some good options there for them in the fifth round. And then when they didn't take him, you know, I kind of thought, oh, well, maybe they sell these running back options and think, oh, well, you know, some of the, they're going to be good options in the sixth round. And then they didn't take one, you know, and then in the seventh round, he took a fullback special teams guy, you know, just kind of like, I thought it was odd that you would take that guy over, over some sort of running back, but I guess they liked the running backs that they thought would be available as undrafted for agents. I don't necessarily know if either of these guys are going to be different bankers in the passing game. We'll see if they're not. The Texans could maybe, I guess, target Lamar Miller, but we're going to make much happen after the catch. Um, Deontay Foreman hasn't really proven that he can ever be a factor in the passing game. I mean, he wasn't in college, um, and he hasn't been in the NFL. And uh, on the practice squad, Justin Ferguson actually was a really productive receiver in college um, as a running back. But he is, you know, on the practice squad for a reason. Hasn't really made a mark in the NFL for a reason. So we'll see. You know, I think I think that was kind of one of the surprising things that seemed like something they would target, um, just a pass catching back, and it seemed like something they could get in the late rounds. But for whatever reason, they opted not to. Last thing
0: I was going to ask you about is that you look at uh, free agency, and there's still one guy out there that you know it seems like he he could really help the Texans because they they do need the depth at safety and Trey Boston. You know, you look at the numbers through his career. He's been pretty decent. He's still sitting out there. I'm figuring they're making phone calls. What, what, what have you heard, if anything, from the Texans as far as going after some of those guys that are still available, the back-end guys, because we know that sometimes they they wait till after the draft. You want to see who you've got, where you might need to fill some holes. Some other teams are going to be looking at the same thing, too. So, you know, th- that's one option for them. The other option is they still got money, right? They can still go out. And make trades because they're they've got money under the cap with uh, the Clowney situation not settled. And even I think once the clowny situation gets settled, they might still have money to spend.
1: Yeah, I mean they definitely would still have money to spend, but they uh, you know obviously I think they'll want to roll some of that money over uh, just because of how what the the sort of situation looks like in terms of guys that are coming up on free agency. Rather soon or extensions they want to hand out soon, right? You probably want to give DJ Reader an extension, despite Texans fans' wishes. You probably want to give Nick Martin an extension. So I, th- I mean, you know, and, and Deshaun Watson obviously will be, you know, he'll need a new contract soon enough. So I think I think that you don't want to blow all that cap space this offseason. I think that was never realistically the plan for them. But you know, right now they have uh, according to over the cap they have forty one, a little over forty one million. So even if you signed Klanny to a big deal, I mean that would that wouldn't change that much because that forty one million I'm talking about, I mean, that's that's even that's considering his uh his cap number of almost sixteen million from the franchise tag. So um they they definitely have space. I think that they won't probably make a, a very, very splashy move, but they're there obviously I think could stand to add um, a safety or even stand to still add a, a free agent running back late in the game. At safety specifically, I think Deshaun Gibson and Justin Reed are their, their starters. Brian Gain has said that, but they definitely need some depth.
0: Yeah, who who, who is behind them? Who, you remind people who they still have on the on the roster at safety.
1: There really isn't a anyone set to like take the take the job over. Um, that's what's I think that's what's interesting. Uh, Mike Tyson was a guy who joined the team early last season uh, from the Seahawks. He was uh, waived, I think, and then picked up or, or just a straight free agent. Anyway, yeah, I mean, he played he played some briefly as a defender, not just on special teams, and he played okay. Um, so he probably will challenge for that that backup job. Beyond him, A.J. Moore was a, another special teams guy who who was a rookie last season. Maybe he can get some time uh, actually at safety. That's kind of that's kind of it right now. Beyond them, like you'd think they would maybe add a guy in the draft or or as an undrafted rookie or one of these guys who's still a free agent.
0: Final thing uh, for, for you and the athletic. Tell people what you what you're working on with this and what people need to go check out right now about the draft.
1: We have some good stuff, I think, on uh on Titus Howard on uh on the the day two guys, kind of breaking down what how after they added those offensive line and what the offensive line situation looks like now. What Johnson adds to the secondary, what happens with the tight end situation now, uh, and then we got we got a bunch of features coming out on a uh, um on all these guys they picked they drafted. So now's a good time, and actually, I think for monday there's still a deal to get a to get 40 off at the backslash nfl draft 40 so if you're interested you get 40 off your subscription if you follow that link that'll be good through monday
0: all right sounds good and i just want to remind people before we go hey uh if these guys can play they can play it doesn't matter what you thought of them uh when they were drafted or you know whether they're a project or not a project you want a guy that's gonna be able to play in the NFL for a long time. So hopefully that's the case, but uh, Hey, it's always fun to catch up with you Aaron. Thanks so much for doing this.
1: Yeah. Thank you. You're listening to Houston sports
0: talk. Don't forget to follow Houston sports talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google podcast app, or the stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us, Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, listener. Are you a fan of Houston Cougar athletics? Well, Sam and I have got the perfect podcast
1: for you. It's the Scott
0: and Holman podcast.
1: Yeah, we're talking all things Houston Cougars, in-season, off-season, recruiting, on-field results. If it's Houston Cougars, we're talking about it. So search Scott and Holman podcast wherever you get your podcasts.